You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hello, lavishly luscious listeners. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 103, and of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your irrefutably, irreplaceable, and irresistible, <laughs> irregulars, irradiating iridescence. I'm Colin. And I'm Chris. So Dana is not here this week. She's off to doing mysterious Dana stuff. What a Dana does. Yep, yep. All right, time for our first general trivia segment, Pop Quiz Hot Shot. And we're down one hot shot. Yeah, we're down one hot oh, shot. Oh, true. This is a face-off. Yes, boy face against boy. Off. <laughs> Here we have a random trivial pursuit card that I picked from the box. And so Colin versus Chris, they have their barnyard buzzers. Here we go. Blue Edge for geography. The Caribbean island of Aruba is part of what European kingdom? Colin. I believe that's the Netherlands. Correct. Oh. All right. Pink Wedge for pop culture. What R&B singer and Grammy winner adopted a stage name inspired by the instrument she plays? Chris. Uh, did Alicia Keys? Yes! Ah, I, I like, just now pieced that together. <laughs> what instrument is an Alicia? Right. No. Bob Alicia Tuba. Keys. <laughs> uh, she was born Alicia Aguela Cook. Huh. Alicia Keys. Huh. Here we go. Yellow Wedge. Who shot Harry Whittington on February 11th, 2006? Harry, Harry Whittington. Whittington. February 11th, 2006. Of course, Chris. Richard Dick Cheney. Yeah. Okay. Oh, right. <laughs> this was the, the pheasant hunting yes, uh, yeah. uh, mishap. Sprayed him with a, a, a whole load of pellets. Um, actually, oh, uh, there's, a little, there's a little bit here. The two men were quail, quail. hunting quail. when Cheney accidentally hit Whittington with bird shot. Bird yeah, shot. yeah. You think you're having a bad day, and mm-hmm. then Dick Cheney shoots you in the face. <laughs> I just wanted some quail. I just wanted some quail. Yeah, but quail. you know what? Now he's a trivia answer. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I'd let, I'd let Dick Cheney quail shot me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> so so if you're listening, you not Mr. Do? Cheney. Would, you know, he would owe me one. And he, big you know, time. There's a lot, big time. Big time. And there's a lot of stuff he can make happen. <laughs> that's true. You'd be playing that quail card that's, for the rest of your life. <laughs> Yeah. Quill card no. in your pocket. Yeah, I think you should. I think it's worth for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You got mm-hmm. shot in All the right. face. Well, have his people call my people. Okay. <laughs> shot in the face. <laughs> we'll plan it. All right, Purple Wedge. What supermarket tabloid featured regular appearances by Bat Boy, Ed Anger, <laughs> and an alien interested in U.S. politics? Everybody. The, the Weekly, Weekly World, World News. News. Yes. The only true newspaper ever published. <laughs> this is like one of those, like, oh, Loch Ness Monster spotted. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or yep. a woman like, aliens fathered my children, right. and it'll have like a poorly photoshopped <laughs> picture of her with her arm around like the alien. <laughs> for, for example. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Green Wedge for Science. What artificial sweetener based on sucralose was introduced in 1999? Everybody. Splenda. All right. Last question, Orange Wedge. What singer renamed Silver Dollar City, Tennessee after herself? Uh, 
Oh, Chris. Dolly Parton. Yes. Yeah. Was okay. this where Dolly Dollywood? Yep. Okay. Dolly Parton. Uh, the park's been known as Dollywood since 1986. Mm-hmm. Good job, brains. Oh, we have a quick um actually, but Dana's not here to do the voice. So oh. Can someone do the the um actually voice? Um, actually. Okay. So last episode, I think Dana made a little slip. She said that Cillian Murphy, actor, was in Breakfast on Mars. A lot of people wrote in, pronounce <laughs> Killian. Yes. Murphy. Oh, yes. Killian. Yes. And it was Breakfast on Pluto. Oh, yeah. Close. Yes. Black Sea, yes. distance wise, not that close, but they're yeah. both. And actually, planets. it's pronounced Marfi. I guess they're not. Killian Marfi. Wait, really? No, no, no. Oh, I'm okay. just, yeah. That's <laughs> no, no. bad. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this week, we decided to dedicate the whole episode to your face. Your face. Your face. Your grimace. Right in your face. Your kisser. Your mug. Your mug. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So get ready for In Your Face. Kick it off here with a uh, quick question for you guys. Uh, are you familiar with the term prosopagnosia? I okay, proso. Am not, but pro. Okay, let's break it down. Proso. Yeah. Uh huh. Prag. I'll tell you the, the the roots are prosopon and agnosia. I'm gonna go ahead and say no. I'm not gonna be able to figure this out. Prosopon means face in mm-hmm. Greek. Okay. Agnosia. You may know this not like knowing. Agnostic. Right. So okay. uh, someone with prosopagnosia oh. suffers from face blindness. Oh, is what it's no. more common. What does that mean? This is a condition mm-hmm. uh, where you, in its simplest terms, you literally cannot form memories of faces. Uh-huh. You Whoa. cannot identify people who you may otherwise know very well mm-hmm. based on their face. You're, you're just neurologically, your brain is just not wired to encode that in a way that's easily retrievable. Mm-hmm. Um, so People have this. People have this. So here's where it gets even more interesting. Uh, Brad Pitt. Hmm. Brad Pitt believes that he suffers from face blindness, huh. and he has said that he has just extreme difficulty remembering people's faces. Oh, and okay. for a long time, you know, he kind of just thought, well, this is just, I'm sort of weird, but he realizes, no, wait, this is a thing, face blindness. And he's talked about this in interviews. It's really hard for him to be out in the world, and it's very embarrassing. But, okay, so let me ask you this. Can't they rely on sense of hearing and voice yes. to connect Yes, and people? this is right. why people with face blindness can still function in the world, mm-hmm. yep. they, they talk about this actually in the Oliver Sacks book, "The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat." The, the which is it's a great it's, it's it's one of the it's one of the good Oliver Sacks books. Um, but he talks about yeah, a man who could not recognize his wife's face. He mm-hmm. he could recognize her voice and tell it was her, but like looking at her, you know, in person or in photos, he would have to rely on other cues, you know, like or looking at photos of family members. He'd be more likely to remember a jacket that someone was wearing than a, than the face. Mm-hmm. So. It's not really when they see someone, they see blank. Right. They just, they see the face. They just can't make the They can't distinguish it. Yeah. 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 And apparently it's really, I mean, disorienting for people to grow up with this because up until a certain point, you don't necessarily know that, oh, people can actually recognize faces. I thought, I just thought this was how people worked in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So ladies, uh, you know, you may as well be Angelina Jolie if you ever meet Brad Pitt out on the street, you know, just, yeah. (laughs) Piggybacking on that fact, I have a little quiz. It's themed around a almost like the opposite of what you described, Colin. It's the psychological phenomenon that causes people to actually see 
faces yeah. in inanimate things or actually we talked about uh back masking before it's it's for people to perceive what they want to perceive and right. usually it's human or right. something that that they have a connection well to. i mean we're i mean colin the exception proves the rule like there's people who cannot just recognize faces but everybody else we're like specifically looking for faces. No, I mean, our brain is just looking for faces everywhere. And like, mm-hmm. that's how we, there's something about the human face that we just like automatically yeah. identify with. Yeah. Yep. That's why when you like, right now, if you're sitting around at home and I have a pencil and paper, draw two dots and a straight line underneath them. Yeah. And like, it's face. Yeah. Yep. Like, yeah. your brain will just pick that up. That is a face. So this is called pareidolia. Mm-hmm. Pareidolia is the name of this phenomenon. So to your point, Chris, Carl Sagan, famous, famous scientist and astronomer, um, he hypothesized that it's probably a survival technique that humans mm-hmm. are looking, seeking out, identifying faces because that's that's how we connect and that's how we interact with people. So a couple of examples are uh, using those pictures of dog butts. And people are like, oh, I found Jesus oh, right. on the dog butt. <laughs> yes. Or like when you're cloud gazing, oh, this looks like a baby and yep. this looks like a whatever. Or you'll see a lot of people have like pictures of vegetables, you know, like, oh, yeah, oh looks this, like a this, little guy. this potato looks like yeah. my uncle Oscar. Or if yeah. Like wall, if there's like wall with, with random patterns, you know, cracks in the walls or things like that, you'll find something that looks like a face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My favorite one is probably a picture you, you took and sent to me, Chris, a long time ago. It's, um, you know, back of bathrooms or or doors, there's a little coat. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I know <laughs> this one. And yeah. one is, uh, and and the picture you sent had someone write down like what drunk octopus is trying to fight you. Yeah. Yep. And it's like the eyes are kind of like they look drunk. They're just screws on this coat hanger, and mm-hmm. it looks like he has his tentacles, Two tentacles up. Yeah. yeah and just, once once you see it, you, you can't, can't not it. see it. I, I, I see drunk octopus wants to fight every time yep. I look at the one on my door. Yeah, yeah. We moved into this apartment and we had drunk octopus on the back of the door. And I'm like, Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so here. I have quick quiz about things that are related to pareidolia. All right. First question. Belgium or not Belgium? <laughs> the Rorschach test. <laughs> no, also known as the ink block test. I'll say not Belgium. It is not Belgium. All right. Oh, wow. It is a Swiss and developed by Swiss psychologist Hermann Rorschach, named after him. I didn't know this, but I'm going to throw it out to you guys. How many ink blots are there in the official Rorschach oh, test? Oh, you know, I was uh, I was just talking to somebody who actually administers this. I thought test. they're just random ink blots. Oh I, no, oh no, there a is a specific set. set. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I I feel like it's man, thirty, thirty-five. I don't know, Chris. Seven, ten. Mm, oh, okay. okay. Ten official ones, and okay. you can find them online. And, and each one is supposed to make a connection to some part of your personality. All right, uh, next question. According to some Asian folklore and also Aztec folklore, what kind of mammal lives on the moon? Colin. Uh, that's the rabbit, isn't it? Yes, oh, it's the right. rabbit, yeah. the moon rabbit. Mm. Um, I know that from Japan. I, yes. I didn't know the Aztecs did. So Japanese, Korean, and Chinese folklore and other East Asian folklore have the kind of same type of story involving a rabbit on the moon preparing something. Because it looks like in Japan, the rabbit is making mochi oh. <laughs> with a mortar oh, yeah. and pestle. And in Chinese, yep. he's making medicine. <laughs> um, and it's funny that the fact that the Aztecs had almost the same origin folklore creation story of 
the bunny on the moon. Right. And in some pictures of the moon, you can kind of see an outline of like some sort of blob with two big ears. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, it's a rabbit. Um, Sailor Moon, you know, the cartoon Sailor Moon, her name is Usagi or Rabbit. Oh, ah. that's cute. So the story is that there is a man begging for food and there might be other animals and the monkey offered fruit and this other animal offered this and the rabbit being like well i don't have anything to offer you except for myself so i'll jump into a fire and feed myself to you and the gods were touched and be like we're gonna remember you rabbit we can't save you from burning yourself but we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna memorialize you on the moon two oh, separate cultures have almost the same story huh. all right next question which U.S. state's quarter prominently features an example of pareidolia? Uh, Colin? Uh, together? Uh, New, New Hampshire. Hampshire. I was, you had me thinking about the moon still, and I was like, uh, Space Shuttle, Florida. <laughs> no. yes. uh, and it is of? The old man in the mountain. Yeah. 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 Sort of a facial profile in a, in a rock in New Hampshire. Which, which sadly collapsed. collapsed. Yep. It collapsed May 3rd, 2003. Mm-hmm. And now there's no face. Right. <laughs> People leave flowers there all the time. Oh, kind of be no. like, oh, poor face. I um, can see that. But I it can does. See that, yeah. it, it is a really kind of handsome structure when you when you look at it. You're like, no, I do see a face. Yeah. Like, yeah. it does really look It always like a reminded face. me a little bit of like uh, Abraham Lincoln. All right. Last question. In 1994, a Floridian woman took a bite out of her freshly made grilled cheese sandwich (laughs) and discovered that the grilled cheese sandwich on the side had Virgin Mary's face on it. Ten years later, in 2004, she successfully sold that sandwich (laughs) on eBay. How much was the winning bid? For the Virgin Mary grilled cheese sandwich that's 10 years old at that time. $1,500. You want to take a guess, Colin? I, I was going to guess $1,000. $28,000. Wow. <laughs> wow. For a 10-year-old sandwich. With, now, did it, with I, a did bite it, taken now out of it. Now <laughs> Did it sell or did people troll the auction? So, oh. goldenpalace.com, which is an online casino, wanted oh. that. Or the company wanted that sandwich. Wow. And so they, they, we will stop at nothing. Yes. They, get that sandwich. they said they will spend as much as it took them to, to have the sandwich. I think it's probably more accurate to say they wanted the publicity that would come with them buying you know a sandwich. I never thought that and is now really we're clever. Talking about them. And now yeah. we're talking about them. We just, we just, we just name dropped yeah, them. We did. We fell in the trap. <laughs> and so my first reaction, you know, I remember when this was kind of in the news or, you know, people were finding things on their toast all the time. It was like, Jesus, revert to Mary. But I remember this one, and my question was always, how did she keep this sandwich for 10 years Mm -hmm. and not have it rot or get moldy? She just put it in a plastic box with some Mm -hmm. cotton balls. That's all Mm -hmm. she did. Yeah. And... You know, she claimed that there was no mold for ten yeah. years. No mold. Yeah. If it, yeah, I mean, if it mold comes from moisture, so if if it dried out before mold would have had a chance to form, yeah. then yeah. it would not get any mold. I can believe that. Yep. Well, so uh, thank God for Slate because someone actually <laughs> did a scientific breakdown of how how and why and predicted why it did not get moldy. Uh-huh. And uh, here are some of the reasons: <laughs> the grilled cheese sandwich. There's oil on both sides. Oh, true. Yep. Either butter or margarine, and there's usually trans fat in that. And fungus doesn't really like hanging out with mm. trans fat because they can't digest it. So they mm. kind of stay away from it. Also, the cheese filling, the calcium 
is kind of a mold retardant. <laughs> uh, that could be why. And also, the cheese may have affected the pH level of the whole sandwich, so some fungus can't strive on that. So yeah, very very interesting. That was my my big question: is what does she do with the sandwich? Yeah. I guess I'd put it in the freezer. I don't know. <laughs> but there you go. You might freeze the Virgin Mary right off of it, though. You know. Oh, that's true, because you want to yeah. keep it right. The frost. And- yeah. Who wants to buy a sandwich if her face is? That's right. Now it's just an old sandwich. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would like, say that. Not like now yeah. when it's like an important divine sandwich, historical relic. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Next time you see drunk octopus, it's just a phenomenon that we humans have, always trying to look for faces. Yeah, yeah. Well, we spent a lot of time talking about the face, but let's go in the face. Let's go, let's how, go up all in how the face. deep in the face. In how your about face. this? Are you familiar with the term <laughs> rhinotilexomania? Something with the nose. Nose. Uh, rhino. rhino. Is, mania is mania. Yes. Compulsion. What's telexo? Telexo means to pick at. <laughs> this is rhino telexomania is the compulsive picking of the nose. That's right. It's time to talk about, really talk about, <laughs> boogers. Today. You know. On a very are, special are episode. Ready, Colin? I don't know. Job, I'm let's, ready for let's, it. let's sit down and okay. really just have a, you might not, you might not like boogers, but you need to know this. If all of the boogers in the world were to disappear, we would just die instantly. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. So when you, when you breathe in, you're taking in glorious, life-giving oxygen, but you are also taking in any bacteria, viruses, microbes, what have you that are floating in the air and that will destroy you. Mucus is really good at grabbing onto them based on like, you know, what it is and how it's made up. The mucus grabs the microbes before they get up into your bloodstream into mm. your system. Got it. The cilia, the tiny, tiny hairs that line your nose, constantly move the mucus back into your esophagus. They're 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 shuffling it along. Mm. Um, Sweeping it. Yes, yes. Every day your body produces one liter of nasal mucus. And you drink it all because it just it goes back. <laughs> You're constantly swallowing it. It goes back into your esophagus. Oh, no. I'm so grossed out. <laughs> so basically, it just grabs onto the bacteria and just sort of sends them, you know, through your digestive system, basically, before they have the chance to get into your circulatory oh, okay. system. I see. I right. see. So right. they just don't want it in your bloodstream. Or yeah. Sorry. Right. Your body doesn't want it in your bloodstream, but swallowing mm-hmm. it and traveling to your stomach is okay. It's like yeah. our incinerator in our okay. stomach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, but we're not really here to talk about mucus in general. We are here specifically okay. to discuss boogers. All right. Okay. Now, there is no scientific term for boogers. Hmm. It's just, you know, boogers. <laughs> or dried mucus. Dry mucus. Okay. When air hits your nose, the mucus down towards the bottom dries out and becomes crusty boogers. Now, what you do with it then is your own business. <laughs> <laughs> However, I will say, one study in 1995 found that 91% of people admitted anonymously via the mail to picking their nose. And the other 9% are liars. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Another what else do you get? Now, right. It's, yeah. So basically 100% of people pick their nose. So don't, yeah. don't try to tell me that you don't pick your nose. Yeah. You do. You do. Everybody does. 44% of respondents. Oh no. Oh no. Admitted it. to as an adult. <laughs> Eating. Oh, as a, wow, as an adult is a key word. <laughs> as an adult, eating their boogers. Now, there was a study that I saw, and this is inconclusive, that says it actually might be 
good for you. <laughs> but that doesn't, I'm not going to. <laughs> hey, but you're already eating it anyways. It's a dried version That's of what a, you're eating. Right, exactly. You are constantly, you. you're right. Your mucus is constantly going into your throat poisonous. and your stomach. <laughs> right. But at the same time, still kind of gross. Um, now, the question is, when does it cross the line from, you know, just the sort of clearing out the old oh. nostrils that everybody does that 91% of people admit to and the other 9% are liars? When does it cross over to rhinotelexomania, mm. as in compulsive, you do it all the time so it is potentially harmful? The study found it, it's only a small number of people in which, like, they're so into picking their nose that it becomes an actual problem. Like, it becomes a problem for them socially, or it becomes an issue where they're, like, actually doing damage. You know, they're, like, causing nosebleeds. Right. Oh, um, my God. And in a tiny handful of cases, people have reported, I want you to... Get ready for this. Just a tiny... No, they don't pick all the way up into their brain. That's not what I'm saying. (laughs) In a tiny handful of cases, people have picked their nose so much that they have poked through their septum (gasps) and put a hole in the the dividing line of their their nose because they pick their their nose so much. Uh, So, listen, if anybody out there, serious PSA, if you can pick both of your nostrils at once with the same finger, (laughs) not normal. (laughs) Get yourself some help. <laughs> wow. And I would assume, like, a lot of the, the nosebleeds are damaged, like, they can get infected. You could. You could. But remember, it's a, it's a tiny group of people that do it so much. But if That's you're, harmful. Yeah. Everybody out there, if you're, like, hurting yourself, picking your nose, go get some help for rhinotelexomania is what I'm Pick saying. someone else's nose for a <laughs> while. Yeah, pick just, your friend's nose. Just for, you know, every other day. Yep. Um, <laughs> I, will, <laughs> I will leave you with this. It is said that King Tutankhamun had... Amongst everything else he had, his own personal nose, nose picker. <laughs> of course. The king's private nose picker. Person. A person. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I did not realize that, like, that wow. should be a goal for future success. But as now soon you as, know. Yep. When I'm a multimillionaire. Yeah. Personal nose picker. <laughs> what else picker. do I need that I don't have? Personal umbrella holder. Personal nose picker. Yeah, wow. and they would have to be different people. Yeah, of course. Because they need to be concentrated on doing that yeah, one. Yeah, they task. must be focused on their craft. If you're holding the umbrella and picking my nose, I'm gonna get wet and or a nosebleed. <laughs> <laughs> unless, unless you are just that good. Oh, he's the best. All right, I want you guys to picture sort of just the the classic image of like an upper crust 18th century European nobleman or a dandy. Okay. All right. And so just close your eyes for a second. Right, you know. Right. So like I'm thinking, you know, like like dangerous liaisons. Okay. Like that era, right? So if you're like me, so some of the things you're picturing are very fashion related, very yes. stereotypical. You got like the frilly clothes. Maybe you've got like a big puffed up wig. Um, you likely have a very pale face. Yes, uh, makeup. Yeah, right, the, the powdered face. Are you guys picturing a mole as well? Yes. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, and rouge. Yes, the mole. You'll see this in period cartoons from the time, yeah. caricatures, and, mm-hmm. and it's it's a persistent feature of caricatures of dandies and upper crust people from the time, even today. You know, where did this come from? Why do, why do we have this image of the mole as an mm-hmm. upper crust mm-hmm. thing? Uh, the root of the mole, it isn't some particularly famous person with the mole. Uh, it wasn't like from 
from a play or literature. It wasn't a stock character. It was actually a real fashion trend in the late 1700s. Among men. Among men and women. Okay. To have moles. I and think of like Marie Antoinette. Yeah. That era of like Parisian royalty. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you just give yourself one. And, and particularly in France. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, as you say, but this was a European thing. Now, you, yeah, you might be thinking, all right, well, that's silly. Not everyone has a mole. Not everyone has a right. birthmark. And you'd be right. So the obvious answer is people wore artificial moles. Of course. Oh, it's not painted on. No, not painted on. Mm. Fake moles. Okay. So. Did they use like raisinettes? <laughs> Cut it in half, lick the end. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the poor man's fake mole, yeah. Um, Still a big, big mole if you use a raisin head. Yeah. Well, you know, you cut it in half, you've got one for the next day as well. Uh, the fake mole, the artificial mole, they were called a mouche, uh, which is a... <laughs> French word. Mouche is the French word for fly. They were they were made out of different things. Like they could be velvet, you know, they could be other fabrics. Sometimes they might have been, you know, a little bit of hide. Velvet was very common. And I mean, people knew they were fake, right? I mean, you weren't you weren't trying to fool anybody yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. with your little velvet mole uh, that you would have fixed on your face. It was kind of just like a little like a little patch. Uh, so it didn't matter that it was fake. People knew this was the height of fashion. Height of fashion. Men and women. Wow. Like a lot of things in the world of fashion, it started small and just got increasingly ridiculous. Trend. Trend. Yeah. It's like, because yeah, you know, once once the current level of the trend is passe, you got to take it somewhere else. They, they became so popular that it was actually fairly common to have more than one moosh on your face at a time so you might have one on your cheek and one on your nose and one on your forehead even you know all over your face walking around just like yeah i'm looking good now all right silly enough of course at some point someone's like you know the regular boring old round moosh this is just not cutting it we gotta bump it up we gotta have turn up to 11 shapes so star-shaped moosh Heart-shaped moosh, huh. crescent moons, the little fake mole in the shape of a star or a crescent moon affixed to your face, sometimes multiple. I mean, I, I imagine it's almost like wearing like Lucky Charms on your face, you know, but then, then they look like moles instead of marshmallows. In one of his uh, many great historical books, Bill Bryson uh, relates an account of a high society woman at the time who the, the, just the most ridiculous extreme she she wore mooshes on her face in the shape of a horse drawn carriage and six horses quote galloping across her cheeks so you know it was it was subtle cuz like it was the height of fashion is in subtlety picture the Wells Fargo like, yeah horse and carriage if you wore a moosh on your right cheek, uh, mm-hmm. that could signify that you supported the Whigs. If you wore it on your left cheek, you were a Tory person. It was a wow. political statement. If you had uh, a heart-shaped moosh on your right cheek, it meant you were married. If you had a heart-shaped moosh on your left cheek, you were only engaged. <laughs> so these were just sort of the ways of signifying to people uh, as you move through the world. Eventually, like the wigs and like the powdered faces and like all the other trappings of, of those eras, the, the, the moosh, the fake mole, it did die out as a trend. So before the moosh died out, uh, I want to share with you a little uh, anecdote of I think it reaching. It's just, it's just the pinnacle of absurdity of how, where do Wait, we go from the here? The woman with the horse drawn carriage and six horses wasn't absurd enough. No, no. For a brief period, very brief period, thankfully, uh, in the late 1700s, it was fashionable to wear 
fake eyebrows made out of mouse hides. Of course. Ew. You know, I mean, because velvet, you know, at that point, just not going to be enough. This, this thankfully did not last very long. Right. It's unclear to me now if you needed a pair of mice to make the fake eyebrows, mm, you know, or... if you or, do it in one. Just yeah, one. if you get enough Depends coverage. Depends on your pattern. It's true. Yeah. I mean, you want to match up the hides. Yeah. yeah. Quick question. <laughs> yes. Before you close out the segment. How do they affix... How did they... St- glue or stick it onto their face like what do they use <laughs> you would just use you know boogers? i mean it, uh, yeah, boogers, <laughs> right <laughs> just a little dab of glue or yeah. ad- oh, okay. adhesive You'd i mean heat it up real good and then just burn it in yeah they're so grab baggy with their ingredients and stuff that maybe yeah. someone will develop you know mm-hmm. you know like with mouse hides it might not be the most sanitary thing or, or mm-hmm. whatever actually and if and, you know break and, out a rash and kids if you want to try to bring this trend back just get a box of lucky charms <laughs> stick it on your face any of the, yeah. take the, the blue moons, just lick it, lick it and stick it. Yep. yep. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Lick it and stick it. Lick it and stick it. That's, that's good marketing slogan. Yep. You just take all the marshmallows, put it in the little plastic bags, and you sell it mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you just mix it up day, day by day. Yeah. yeah. Lucky, Lucky moosh. Did you moosh today? <laughs> All right, time for a quick ad break. And in honor of this week's sponsor, Warby Parker, I've gathered some interesting eyeball facts Mm. for you guys. So I was asking myself, we know a lot of living beings having two eyes. Uh, Some having (laughs) several, yes. One eye. And I was just curious. I was like, are there any living creature record that has Three eyes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not a lot. But I did find... <laughs> I'm surprised you found any. Yeah. I found... So there are parietal eyes, which are kind of like... um They kind of function like eyes, but they're not as fully developed. There are lizard-like reptiles called turataros who actually have well-developed parietal eye. Okay. And it even has a small lens and retina. Ooh. These lizards have a third eye it's on top of their head like right on top of their head and what is it for like so what they can it see for it. so it's a lot of it is for light sensitivity and i found something that used to be rumored to have four eyes it is called a spook fish mm-hmm. oh. and it looks like it has two pairs of eyes it has um some of these spook fish uh type of spook fish they have a kind of translucent head like a normal fish and their eyes are flat and they look up and they have another kind of pair that look down so a lot of scientists thought that they had two pairs of eyes hence they have four eyes but really it's one pair of really weird eyes that are it's like a tube or a barrel so that they can see above them and they can see below on the ocean ground they're a deep sea fish deep sea not a lot of light so they need this to kind of maneuver and look for food and to survive and they look really weird it sounds like it so there you go weird eyeball animal facts for you guys in honor of this week's sponsor warby parker so head on over to warbyparker.com slash brain and get three-day expedited shipping traffic jams tailgating pile-ups oh the joys of driving how could it get worse the federal government wants to have a say in what you drive that's right The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Are you looking for a podcast that your whole family can enjoy that asks the deep philosophical questions like, do trees fart? If you are, then you'll love Tumble, a science podcast for kids. 
I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Join us as we explore stories of science discovery, from butts to animals, dinosaurs, astronomy, and everything in between. You'll love these stories, and you'll learn something new. Find and follow Tumble Science Podcast for Kids wherever you get your podcasts, or at sciencepodcastforkids.com. All right, let's go back talking about In Your Face. So in the grand good job brain tradition. Oh, uh, we have so many. So many. It's been, it's been over two years. Yeah. I have assembled an idiom quiz oh. for you guys. Oh. Uh, I will give you clues. And the answer to every single one of these clues is an idiom. They all have the word face in there somewhere. Ah, okay. All right. So buzzers ready. Should I get a handicap? Oh, what? Because uh, these are all American English yeah. idioms. We'll okay. see. You can, you can reserve the right to complain <laughs> later. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That's very yeah. kind of yeah. you. Yeah. It's like it's like filing a protest ahead of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all, all all complaints must be submitted in writing. Yes. In triplicate. All right. Notarized. So here we go. If you are exceptionally good at hiding emotion, you might say you have Karen. Pop 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 poker face. Pop pop poker face. Yes, you yes. might say you have a good poker face. Yeah. If you're willing to hurt yourself in an effort to hurt someone else. You might say you are Chris. Cutting off your nose to spite your face. Correct. Whoa, what? I've never heard of this. What? Cutting- it's like you're mad at your face. You're like, fine, I'll cut my nose off. How about that face? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, but you just cut your nose off. It's a metaphor. Wait, so what's no, the actually, meaning of it? Meaning like you're, you're willing to do, you're, you want to hurt somebody or damage somebody so badly that you're, you're willing, willing to, to dam- hurt yourself. yourself. Right. right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Very spiteful. Yeah. yeah. If you have an abrupt reversal of opinion or course of action, you might say you are... Chris. Doing an about face. Doing an about face. 180. Okay. If, especially that's what about like, face means? Right. Yeah. Okay. And especially in like a military or an army context. Yeah, about yeah. face means everybody turn around. If you judge something based purely on its outward appearance, you might say you are... Karen. Judging a... A book, but no, by its book face. (laughs) (laughs) Spiritually, you're correct. Not so much with the face value. There you go. Face value. Salvaged it. I'll I'll go ahead and give you that. I'll give you that one. Yes, you are taking it at face value, which comes from, of course, coins. Right? Is that what it comes from? Face value of a coin, like you know, there's there's dollar gold coins where the face value is a dollar. Yeah, the coin is worth twenty thousand dollars. I can see how that that That, that's what most people believe the illusion is too. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we don't really, we don't quite know. I, like a lot of idioms, I've seen multiple uh, explanations, but it, most people seem to agree that's the most logical. Got it. Yeah. If you're concerned about maintaining your reputation and not losing respect, you might say you're trying to... Karen. Save face. Yes. Save face. If you become exhausted trying to explain something to someone, you might say that you are... Exhausted trying to explain. Exhausted. Oh. Tired. No. Chris? No, no. What did you think it was? Well, I mean, I was, I was exasperated. Exasperated. You might say face. you're talking until... Oh, talking until your face turns blue? Yeah. Oh. oh. Until you're okay, blue yeah. in the face. Until you're blue in the face. Yeah. Okay, sure, 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 yeah. Because you're talking too much or because you're angry? Just that you're talking so much. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're talking your face turns on, blue. Right, until you're blue right. in the face. Okay. Like lack of oxygen. If you decide to own up to something you did and are willing to accept the consequences, you might say you're ready to... 
Chris. Face the music. Correct. Face oh. the music. It's time to face the music. Not going to like it, but mm-hmm. you got to do it. If you have a carefully constructed plan that fails and ends up hurting you instead of accomplishing ah. your intended goal, you might say your plan... Uh, Karen. I think you guys both had that at the same time. Well, mine's probably wrong. Eggs on my face? Not what I'm looking for. Your plan blew up in your face. Your plan blew up in your face. Oh, okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. I guess that's an idiom. Egg, on, sound egg as... on your face is an idiom. It may come up later in the quiz. Okay. Yeah, and, yeah. and you might be you might be working in a chemistry lab, and it might actually blow well, up in your face. face. It's right. possible. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're the kind of person who says nice things about people when you're with them, but badmouths them to others, you might be called... <laughs> Karen. Two-Face Harvey Dent. Two-Face. Yes, I will accept Two-Face Harvey Dent. (laughs) All right, last one. Here we go. If you do something embarrassing and everyone knows about it, you might say you... Have egg on your face. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) We were both looking at Karen. I was thinking. I was like, what is that? Yeah. If you do something embarrassing and you know people know, you've got egg on your face. Mm. Presumably from the action of... Eggs thrown on the stage or something. Oh, you know, maybe. back in the old timey days. I don't know. Yeah, that's People one. That's eggs. one possibility. Oh. Or you're just a really sloppy eater at breakfast. Very good. All right. Well, you faced up to that challenge pretty well, Karen. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> not a lot of face puns. Dana's not here. That's why. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very good. All right. I don't have a segue, but I'm just gonna tell you guys my kind of strategy for this segment or what inspired me. You know, I was thinking about faces, faces, and the first thing that popped in my mind, you know, when you watch TV, there's people who have blurred faces. So I want to do a segment on blurring or the, (laughs) you know, or or the technique of blurring faces on TV. Why are their faces so blurred? Was it a birth defect? (laughs) Um, The blurring faces is very related to having the censorship bar, like the black bar covering, Mm. covering someone's mouth or covering genitals or whatever, or mosaicing. You see a lot of like pixelized. Right, right, right. Basically, TV or films, they don't want to show you what is going on because of censorship or because of the SEC, mm. uh, lots of reasons, or it's too gory. And this is all called pixelization. Mm. Not pixelation, pixelization. pixelization. I always associate it with, you know, 60 Minutes or Dateline, where they've yeah. got somebody... Witness protection Yeah, like program. a mob informant or something yeah. like that. And it, or it could be because they just don't have the release to show that person's image on air. Exactly. If, they were, if you're filming... Like, you can film in a public place... But like sometimes if you're filming in a private place or whatever, and you don't have the permission, mm. they might blur someone's mm. face out. I always laugh Mosaic. a lot on like the real world type shows where they blur out butt crack. You know, someone. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like yep. so that's someone's job in you know in the production studio. Speaking of which, I did find uh, <laughs> this person whose job is in charge of this. His name is. Mitsuo Goto. He is the TV uh, post production wizard, and he's worked for. Obviously, famously, Cops, Uh, uh, which is the real-life cop show uh, in America. Also, True TV's Vegas Strip, which is about the Las Vegas uh, Metropolitan Police Department. And and also uh, Undercover Sting. So very related, all kind of cops reality shows. And what it comes with the territory. You're going to have a lot of butt cracks. You're going to have nudity. You're going to have wounds. You're going to have undercover cops. And so this guy... And he's in charge of a team that would work on blurring <laughs> faces, among other things. So I was trying to find the first example of blurred faces. I uh, I couldn't find it. But I did find um, 1936 
there's a Charlie Chan, Charlie Chan movie. It was called Charlie Chan at the Olympics, which were held in Berlin that year. So there were a lot of swastikas. And so they had to blot out the swastikas oh, because yeah. it was offensive. Mm. That's the oldest example Whoa, I could find. Yeah. And that's not really someone's face. You know, that is like an icon. So I couldn't find anything on blurred faces, but I did find, found an awesome interview on EW with Mitsuo Goto. And they asked him some very important questions. Let me share them with you. <laughs> How much butt crack is too much butt crack? <laughs> really getting to the point. Really getting deep in. <laughs> and he says that, you know, any crack. No if crack at all. Yeah. If yeah. it's a little crack. It's, it's a slippery slope. Yeah, it is. Like, what? It, how do you put that in perspective, right? So if it's a little crack, he'll match the skin tone. So it just looks like a big butt. <laughs> if it's a lot of crack, then it's you just blur out part of the leg, you know? <laughs> A lot of his job is blurring faces because sure. on these cop shows, it's not it's not the perpetrator, it's not the cops, it's all the people bystanders. Sure. You know, something's going on, yeah. it's gonna draw They're a crowd. Not, and they don't want to be associated no. with and, this criminal activity that's going on. Yep, yeah. so they have to blur all the bystander faces. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they didn't sign a release form or right. don't agree with it. Right, right. So before computer or technology, all of this stuff has to be frame by frame. Oh, I bet. Like all of this kind of obscuring, mm. whether if it's a black sensor box or a blur or mosaic had to be frame by frame. Now with computers, not only is it faster, but you can track moving objects. So you can now blur a moving object like kind of automatically. Oh, that's right. cool. And it calculates how sense. to move from frame to frame. Mm-hmm. Right. A lot of the technology now is all kind of automated. You know, you we see that on Google Street View. It's not like someone's there manually blurring out all the license plates or like the people walking by. They Just have algorithms. Vaseline on yeah. Them. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have uh, algorithms that automatically do this. Uh, YouTube, when you upload a video and you want to blur faces because, you know, maybe it's like at a rally or something, it has a tool that you can use oh, really? to, to blur faces. Whoa. However, as we head into having shows and films and videos be more HD, then there's more things you have to blur That's even right. with the aid of technology. Yep. Maybe you'll see a little logo of a brand name logo in the back or uh, some guy in the back and with HD, you can just zoom in, zoom in, zoom in, and you see his face. Yep. So you have to blur, blur that face, too. Yeah, low-resolution TV programming did a lot of that blurring already. Yep, exactly. Right, yep. right. right. Yeah. So it actually introduces more work. So there you go. A little huh? bit about blurred faces. I actually I, I actually think about that a lot. Every time I see a blurred face, I, I wonder, like... What is the process? How do you go in and do that? So I'm, I'm, I'm so tickled that you, that you um, brought this up. Most of the results I found were really, um, technical documents mm. on algorithms on automating this system, but I couldn't find any actual like technique that people use. I assume it's probably, you know, with frame by frame or with, you know, film, actual film, you do. Vaseline or right, scrub or, right. or something. <laughs> Vaseline or I don't, you know, I don't know something. I seem to remember. Someone tell me. I seem to I'm remember. Interested. This is maybe in the in the the eighties, I guess. That like the precursor to a lot of this was the blue dot. Do you guys remember this? It no. would be. The, I seem to remember this in like trial coverage. You know, if it was like a, a a sensitive witness or if it was a really you know personal case or something, and it was on like court TV or one of these shows, they would they would show the person sitting in the witness box, and there would just be a blue circle dot. 
right, on their right, head. right over the person's face. Yeah. Uh. So I don't know if that was just they hadn't they didn't have the pixelization technology yet. And of course, these shows opt for either mosaicing or for face blurring because it's less intrusive. I mean, mm. if you're gonna blot out a whole bunch of stuff and basically it's a screen full of blue dots yeah, or black yeah. boxes you're <laughs> like well i don't really know what's going on it's really distracting but like the blurring you notice it and you don't notice it hello everyone you may recognize me as gabby from the history of everything podcast and my name is Bruna, and you don't recognize me from anything yet together we're two scientists who explore all of the weird little questions and conspiracies of the universe in our new podcast mystery of everything everything has an explanation we hope that is what we're here to figure out. We will dive into the science behind many popular conspiracy theories, such as vaccines causing autism, flat earth theory, and was the moon landing fake? And if so, why the heck would anyone even do that? But it's not just conspiracies. There's a lot of cool mysteries that we will attempt to use science to explain, such as near-death experiences, what made the Vikings go berserk, and can I control my co-host with MK Ultra? Wait, what? <laughs> anyway, make sure to check out the Mischief Everything podcast everywhere where you find your podcasts. Well, before we sign off for the day, uh, as you know, we have been chasing uh, our nemesis, um, international thief Carmen San Mateo. Through time and space. Right. She stole our beloved time machine, our, our Fartis. Yes. Fancy and ridiculous time interloper system. And we were our, going our primary to, Yes. Yeah. So we had to get into the emergency backup time machine and go after her. And we've chased her. Uh, we've chased her everywhere. We've chased her from uh, Gettysburg to Berlin. And so finally, we actually last week caught up with Carmen's uh, lackey, Haida Clue. Haida Clue, supermodel and cat burglar. <laughs> Slash cat burglar. Um, true to her nature, uh, Haida Clue, before being caught, uh, did in fact hide uh, a clue for us in her little little speech that she gave as they were dragging her away to trivia jail. And this is one of the things that Haida said to us. And she says, a better, easier scheme, but it really takes higher devotion and youthfulness. She was talking about, you know, the scheme that she was going to run with Carmen. Mm -hmm. A better, easier scheme, but it really takes higher devotion and youthfulness. And we figured that there was some secret message or clue hidden in there. Yeah, yeah because if you look it up, it's not, you know, we, we've been doing a lot of uh, famous speeches right. or a lot of previous clues. Yep. And this one, nothing such really an showed odd, up. Such an odd turn of phrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of really, yeah, it's kind of a lot of strange collection of words there. And as it turns out, a lot of you figured out the solution. You figured out what date to punch in to the Fartis. And the way you did that was the first letter of every word in the sentence is A, B, E, S, B-I-R-T-H-D-A-Y. Abe's birthday! Abe's birthday. And what we had to do was travel to February 12th, 1809, when so, the man who would become President Abraham Lincoln was born in a one-room log cabin in rural Kentucky. So if you guys went to the site and clicked on the TARDIS and punched in... 02121809. You would have seen a little postcard of a cabin. And uh, that is uh. Abe Lincoln's cabin. So off we went to February 12th, 1809. And this is what transpired. Oh, this is going to be the scheme of a lifetime. I can almost taste it. I... No! Brainiacs! How did you find me? I knew that awful hide a clue was going to sell me out uh, right when I was about to commit my biggest heist ever. Think about it. Baby Lincoln. 
all the gravitas of President Lincoln and all of the cuteness of babies. I'd make a fortune. I even had a guy who was going to get me tiny top hats and beards. Four score and seven pacifiers ago, our four mommies brought forth a new sippy cup. How cute would that be? Well, it doesn't matter now since you ruined everything. <sighs> I guess I'll go back to trivia jail. It's, it's not so bad. They have Sudoku. Man, these schemes up there, so they dumb. get worse and worse. Like, I admire the effort, but just plan a little bit better. Why not just go, you have a time machine, just go invest in Apple stocks. Yeah, like in 1995 or, or something. I don't even really get it. Netflix. But anyway, the important thing is, thanks to all of you listeners out there for helping out so much, we caught, for a second time, Carmen San Mateo. It's better than some other television shows where they never catch the international thief yeah. at the end. She actually goes to jail. Right. Carmen San Mateo does. Carmen San Mateo Trivia goes jail. to jail so far every time. So far, good job, Brain. Two, Carmen San Mateo, zero. All right, and that is our show. Uh, thanks to you guys for joining me, and thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you learned a lot of stuff about your face or what's in your face. <laughs> we mm. have a dedicated booger segment. Well, next time, wear your Lucky Charms as your moosh. Yeah, yeah. Now you know. And uh, you can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, and on our website, goodjobbrain.com. And check out our sponsor, Warby Parker, warbyparker.com slash goodjobbrain. And we'll see you guys. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Bye. Yeah, oh, wait. We captured Carmen San Mateo. This calls for a celebration. Yes. You know what to do. Do, do it, Macapella. Yeah. Don't sue us. Please, please don't sue us. Don't please, please don't sue us. Don't please, please don't sue us. She's a satirical don't swindler, legally distinct from others. She's a fair use finagler who is plainly parody. She's discreetly designed so we don't get calls from lawyers. Tell me who in the heck is Carmen San Mateo? Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.